Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for what will be the second part of my talk about God as a changing reality. Uh, now I know by long experience that the choice of a certain title or the subject matter of a talk will cause some to bypass, switch off, uh, ignore. Everybody likes the stuff on pain, acceptance, one's own amazingness and the way to succeed guaranteed. But dare to delve in things that get close to challenging a hearer's or readers need to change areas and that's not so popular. Silence is often louder than applause when it comes to these things. So I'd really like you to feedback if you enjoyed it, all right? <laughs> uh, I heard something very interesting a year or so ago uh, from an internationally known and renowned uh, speaker who said that their worst selling book was one they were very proud of and they'd written about love. Uh, it did not even come close to matching the sales of ones about one's own personal advancement uh, or receiving promises or finding healing or whatever. Uh, and this person expressed their disquiet and um, uh, concern that the book that was challenging people in their own lives about uh, their love for others and what love really means would not appeal to them in the same way that something that could be interpreted as some kind of self-help um, book did. And that's because we begin to get challenged in certain areas and our natural tendency is to resist, uh, to resist the pressure of that and restrict ourselves from, from exposure to those things. Last time out, I talked about how we create and adhere to what are in essence tribal gods and are unwilling to own that truth about ourselves, even though all the evidence points to its existent reality. So my question is, are you still wedded to the idea of a tribal god? Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. How do you know whether you're still wedded to the idea of a tribal God? By the fruits of your life. How you think, your attitude to others, what you believe about your tribe, your special belief, your conviction. Uh, see, the, the tribal nature of our beliefs and gods are denoted by our manifest behaviour. Uh, and again, let me bring in, this is where some of you get really uncomfortable and might think I'm having a dig at you. Our political affiliations come into that category. Uh, personal identifications, gay, straight, etc., etc. Our social identification, rich, poor, um, wherever we see ourselves, you know, progressive, liberal, conservative in our minds, whatever. 
our tribal nature in those areas and the gods that we create within them, uh, we see through that manifest behavior. So are you still wedded to the idea of a tribal god? And, and how does that contrast with the true grasp of what the Christ, who is supposed to be the whole theme of the Christian message, was and is all about? See, tribal religion is about justifying your fears and projecting your hatred. It's about personal security. Christian belief, and I'd put the hyphen in there, Christian belief is supposed to be about the message of the Christ. Christian belief is about loosing your fears and projecting your love. It's about unselfish freedom. Now, if you remember, we rooted this in some Old Testament uh, writings that seem to suggest by the way that they are written that God is a murderer, is, is genocidal, uh, um, gives himself to the process of ethnic cleansing. And the question that we raised about whether the writing up of that comes from the perspective of a people who have perceived God through tribal eyes and therefore they interpret things that happen within the process of their life uh, within that tribal bias to be what God wants and what God desires. Now I know that takes us to a deeper issue of uh, looking at what the Bible is, what sacred text is, what does all this mean, what is all this saying? Um, am I questioning our perceptions on that? I would say, yes, absolutely I am, and rightly so, and that's another discussion. But it's all rooted in this. So tribal religion, uh, what I want to say is you, you, can also see, you can also see the parallels of what I'm saying, uh, not only in how some people interpret, let's say, Old Testament scripture or the Old Testament God, but also to how that's bled through into what is supposed to be the Christian perspective uh, of the divine that brings the life to people that Jesus himself was trying to present. So let, let me go back to that last one and read you these through. Tribal religion is about justifying your fears and projecting your hatred. It's about personal security. Christian belief is about loosing your fears and projecting your love. It's about unselfish freedom. Tribal religion identifies enemies. The deepest strand of the Christian story is to love those who would call themselves your enemies. Tribal religion takes tribal prejudices and sanctifies them with religious or pious language. Christian practice forsakes tribal prejudices and replaces them with tolerance and understanding. The tribal God only cares about the people of the tribe and opposes those who are not. The Christian God cares about people not of the tribe by dissolving the tribe. Tribal religion says we are the one and only. The Christian message says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's Galatians 3 verse 28. The people of the tribe try to invent ways whereby the people not of their tribe can be accepted into their tribe. The people of the Christ say, welcome, you're in. I'm sad you didn't know. The whole essence of Christ is love, forgiveness, 
mercy, acceptance, kindness, all so easy to preach, but so much harder to live. If you're trying to live this from an outward effort, good luck. If you choose to live it from an inner flow, from a centeredness, from a Christ in you experience, it will begin to flow out. I suppose the suggestion of this is that for many of us, there's not much Christ within us being manifested because all of those things we talked about being the manifestation of a tribal experience, a tribal viewpoint, therefore a tribal God in every uh, area is what we see flowing out rather than the Christ thing. One of, one of my now great issues with my own journey has been the recognition and understanding that institutionalised Christianity made Jesus the ultimate champion of a violent and vengeful tribal deity. And I make no apologies for saying that uh, as someone who has been over 40 years in ministry and longer than that, obviously, in the church. I, it, this troubles me more and more the older I get and the more I live in this, still as a pastor, still as a church leader, still as a Christian. See, at the very root of how many see the Christian story is an act of violence interpreted as the ultimate expression of love. Leaving the hypotheses in the human mind that violence is the highest expression of love. What does that understanding do to the whole? What does that understanding do to our perception of God and of people and of life and of the ministry of Christ if we hold to that interpretation of the story? We get then instead of the Christ who is the loving spirit that restores all things, we, we find that coloured by all manner of things uh, that are not as far as I'm concerned, the least bit Christian, Christian. So how do we get from hating our enemies to loving our enemies? How do we get from plaguing our enemies to praying for our enemies? How do we get from persecuting to blessing? How do we get from condemning to forgiving? Now again, I want to remind you to apply this to all areas of your thinking because there is a bleed that goes through your, your, your belief, your faith, your politics, your behaviour. How do we get from prejudice to justice for all? Because there's a whole lot of prejudice that is excused under the guise of a perception of a tribal god. How do we really live the Christian story? What really is the Christian story? You know, don't revert to the whole thing of Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Because the problem is, how we have interpreted that sometimes has been because of a certain perception of what we think the Bible is saying so let me say a few things about that Jesus did not come to confirm the lordship of a tribal deity Jesus did not come to make us religious or to start a new religion 
Jesus did not come to appease the anger of a deity with genocidal tendencies by some throw the virgin into the volcano to quell the wrath strategy. Now some of you are going to get mad with me for that. Well you're going to have to get mad because it's time you thought about this because your interpretation has been impacted by tribal, tribal pressure that you have taken because of what appears to be the message and what has been conveyed to you. Jesus did not come to make us moral or righteous. It seems to me that the kind of people tend to know, those kind of people who press that tend to know a great deal about judgment but almost nothing about love except of the kind where violence is the ultimate expression. Did Jesus come to ensure we would have the true faith where we would be the orthodox believers and everyone else would be wrong? Or did he come to deconstruct our increasing misrepresentations of the divine presence he called Father and our corralling of that truth within a tribal agenda? The call to the Christ is a different thing. It makes the figure of Jesus the beginning of the call to a new exodus. If any of you are familiar with the Exodus story uh, back in the, in, the, in the Bible, in at the end of the book of Genesis and into the book of Exodus, you will see that the Exodus story, if you're willing to see it, this is the bit most people miss because they see a story about slavery and bondage and a story about sacrifice and blood but they fail to miss the root of the, they fail to see and recognize the root of the story. If you read Exodus chapter 1, coming out of the end of the chapters of Genesis, you will see that the Exodus story is rooted in a slide into slavery and bondage through complacency and unwillingness to move on from that which had become the people's security and comfort zone. The story is of a people who were starving because of famine and drought, who were a nomadic people, who found favour in Egypt by a most amazing, wonderful story that's worth the read, the story of Joseph, fantastic story, uh, of which the implications are huge. Uh, in our own lives, if we can just recognise uh, those workings and outworkings. But because of that favour, they are able to leave their nomadic journeyings and go into Egypt where they are allotted a place that they can live and it's wonderful because they have food and they have favour and they have security and they have provision and uh, that was wonderful but at heart they were a nomadic people called to be on the move, called to be representative of a leave your country, leave your people, leave your, leave your father's house uh, mentality who were the example of be on the move we are going somewhere there is a direction to live life that will take you to a place of promise but because of the comforts of the provision of that established place which I could add you church has become that for so many people in that place there came a pharaoh who didn't know Joseph who became suspicious of them and who changed the rules so they went from being a favoured people in that safe uh, that safe place uh, of comfort 
to being imprisoned and in total slavery within the very thing that they had given themselves to. My view is that when the famine was over, we thank for the interaction, the provision, the help, but when the famine was over, those nomadic people who were always supposed to be on a journey of discovery should have left that place of comfort to continue that journey and they would have found the presence of the divine and the, the guidance in that process bringing them to the place of promise. But instead, their journey was stalled not because of any overt act of, of violence against them, but because of their own complacency and unwillingness to move on from the place where they felt security and comfort. That's the story of so many lives, and that's why many of us don't move on, and that's why we have to have an experience of God as a changing reality, otherwise we get our God stuck in the tribal definitions that have held us and bound us for so long, which Jesus challenged in his own life and ministry, in, in the personhood of the scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law and sought to dismantle that whole system and get us walking in freedom again with the Christ spirit, not the one that lives in a tribal mentality. So Jesus is quoted as saying, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. John chapter 10 verse 10, very famous verse for those who know the Bible. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So don't let yourself be robbed of that which facilitates the life to the full spoken of by Jesus. That's where I want you to be. But while ever we live in the space of tribalism and a tribal God, you will never find that place of freedom. I know this message will to some have been a great irritant. I know to some it will be a challenge too far. I know to some it will be waters of life. But please listen, hear, contend with what this brings up in your heart and spirit because I bring this for one reason and that is so that you might have life and have it to the full. I love you. I'll catch you again. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest. <laughs>